The Coin Week podcast is brought to you by PCGS. You can order a copy of the PCGS 2018 calendar featuring beautiful TrueView images by visiting their website at pcgs.com. This week on the Coin Week podcast, rare gold coin expert Doug Winter stops by. We get into the weeds about a lot of issues relating to the coin market, how it's now showing some strength, and why you really do need a dealer in the internet age to put together a great collection. You'll hear one of the most in-depth and informative conversations we've ever had about the intricacies of the rare coin market, next on the Coin Week podcast. Hi, Doug. Thanks for joining me on the Coin Week podcast. Thanks for having me. So I read with great pleasure your most recent blog, which was posted on your website as well as on coinweek.com, where you were writing about four areas in the 2017 rare coin market where the market has shown some real strength. And your commentary went along with, you know, what I have felt being a junkie of how the coin market is doing, doing my own analytics and keeping my ear to the grindstone as far as what's really going on in the bourse and in dealers' private dealings with collectors and each other. And it seems to me that we are now pulling ourselves out of a malaise, uh, a dip in the market that seems to have occurred starting shortly after the November 2013 Newman sale. So, I wanted to have you on the podcast this week so that we could talk about the coin market and so our readers and listeners can learn where the coin market is now and how you see things operating as you do on the front lines. So my business has been basically pretty strong all the way from 2013 to the present, but from from talking to other people, uh, there was probably a degree of economic uncertainty that fueled people to pull back a little bit from purchases. And obviously, the stock market has just been like a rocket ship the last year and a half, two years or longer, which has removed some interest from casual buyers. I'm noticing the, the biggest shift I'm noticing really right now is new people coming into the market. Um, I've probably sold coins in the last three months to a third of the sales I've made have been to people that I've never sold coins to before. And it's an interesting perspective for me because I'm used to selling coins to people who are a little bit more established. Um, but people seem to be coming into the market and they're fairly well informed about coins given the accessibility to information. And it's not people asking me naive questions like, hey, I've got some money, what do I want to collect? It's more people saying, I've just been reading about such and such, and I want to collect such and such. How do I start, or what do you have for my collection? And I'm also noticing the average age of the people that are new to me seems to be significantly younger than than my usual customer base. So I think all of these are pretty good signs. And from talking to people 
across a pretty broad spectrum of market areas in the last few months. If you sell interesting coins that are photogenic and have some degree of uniqueness about them, uh, your business is probably pretty good right now. You know, you bring up the word established. Um, there are two, I would call them commonly used numismatic code words. Uh, one is established uh, and the other one is sophisticated. If you're not in the know, uh, established means old and uh, sophisticated means wealthy. Yeah, I would say those are, those are, that, that's a good job of decoding those words. I, I, would, I would not disagree with you. So one of the things that I think people should uh, understand is that coins, especially in the classic U.S. series, especially desirable coins, the coins that are not generics, you know, uh, semi-rare, rare, and extremely rare coins are very high-grade examples of type. These coins have been priced out of the majority of collectors' budgets for quite a long time. And so, you know, the coin market can hum along for someone who's spending 100 or $200 a coin, and they may not notice a downturn in the market until there are fewer new coin releases from the mints and marketers for them to buy. But, but when it comes to the type of coin that a dealer who spends 20 or more weeks on the road traveling from city to city, uh, you know, to set up at coin shows, a market downturn can have very real and very quickly felt implications. So explain to me what the market fundamentals have to be for a dealer like you who sells uh, these more expensive rare coins, uh, specialized coins, uh, to survive. Well, there's a couple of fundamentals, and, and you also you raise some really good points that I'll get. I'd like to answer at a, at a later point in this conversation. Um, but I would say that the, that the fundamentals for me for making for for buying coins that will move quickly, our coins need to be interesting. They need to have a story. They need to be something that you can articulate in a few sentences what makes the coin worth the asking price. You have to be able to justify the asking price by showing that it's priced within the realm of comparables of other coins of equal rarity or equal date and grade. Um, the business has become so internet-driven, the coin business, that something has to image really well. It's, you know, unless it's a super sophisticated series like Vermont landscape coppers or, or, um, early American type, if a coin isn't really pretty and it doesn't image really well, it's not going to sell. And it's got to be something with some degree of popularity. Um, as much as I like to buy coins that are sort of contrarian, uh, I, generally know my audience. I, I've bought and sold enough coins that I know that there are some evergreen chestnuts that always, always sell, and those are coins that I always try and maintain a strong market in. You know, one of your, your comments about a code word or, or the code word for being expensive coins, um, in the market area that I'm in, gold coins are fairly expensive, although I would contend that there are coins under well under $5,000 that are really desirable and really interesting. But 
there are there are plenty of U.S. coins out there in the five hundred to fifteen hundred dollar range, mainly silver and copper, um, that I think are really interesting, really historic, and really collectible. So, though there are plenty of people out there that I've met that are buying thousand dollar coins that I regard as being very sophisticated collectors. And there are guys out there buying hundred thousand dollar coins that don't really know what they're doing. Who so they're wealthy but not really sophisticated. So I, I would put an asterisk next to those two definitions that you gave. That there there's there's some fluidity with the with the with the definitions. I I think. Yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, and I hope people understand that when I give these joking definitions, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm reading thousands of articles from dealers and collectors. And these are just the, uh, the cliches that you see commonly used in numismatic writing to describe somebody's collection. For instance, uh, when you read, sophisticated collectors will be interested in a 1796 Quarter Eagle. Well, well sophisticated means you can afford it. Uh, you know, and I know that there are plenty of sophisticated coin collectors and coin writers, especially who who know that coin inside and out, but they'll never be able to buy one because they don't pay us enough. Right. Sure. Again, let, let's talk about the coin market in general. It seems that people who get into the coin market because they want to buy coins that will go up in value over time. And I hate to use the word investment because I really don't like to use it when it comes to coins. Because if you're investing money in coins as opposed to investing it in other ways where the markets are bigger and less cash illiquid and where there's less risk, uh, do that. But coin collecting, buying and enjoying coins, and if they go up in value and if you pick the right coins, uh, that's great. But I think it's a much more realistic way to look at this is coin collecting is a hobby. It's always been a hobby. It will always be a hobby. Uh, And when we talk about the market and we talk about what motivates people to collect, you know, everybody, no matter how much they enjoy numismatics for numismatics sake, everyone wants to pick winners. Okay. But there's really no area in the market where you're guaranteed to pick only winners. And you have to be really, really good at judging where the market is and where the coins are and what you're looking at. Uh, in relation to other coins that exist. And you have to consistently get that right. And and these right coins almost never come at a discount. So how difficult is it for you, a professional dealer, someone who depends on being right and putting the right coins in your inventory and placing the right coins in the collections, how difficult is it for you to pick winners? Well, there's certainly no guarantee that every coin I buy, I make money on. Uh, and any dealer that says that is lying. Obviously, I hit more winners than I do losers. If it were the other way around, I would have been out of business years ago. It's for me, I've been doing this for 30 plus years, and I just have a good instinct when I see a coin. When I'm going through a box of coins at a coin show, there's just certain coins because of the date or the appearance or a combination of both, preferably the latter, that I know are going to be winners, and those are the coins that I that I try and buy. I will tell you that um, there are coins that I'll put out on my website 
that I think I'm going to get multiple orders for within a few hours that languish and take weeks to sell or sometimes don't sell at all. And then there are other coins that I'm like, eh, this one's kind of marginal. I'm not sure, but let's give it a try. And I get seven orders for the coin the first day that it's out live. So there's some degree of uncertainty, but but most dealers who are specialists in an area have a pretty good idea at at a point, up to a point. They They know what sells, what doesn't sell. And if they're smart, they buy the coins that are going to sell most easily. So let me give you a hypothetical, okay? Two different collectors come to your table and ask you uh, to buy from them a box of gold coins. The first collector bought certified gold coins, type coins of various grades, various states, without much consideration of anything beyond what the grade and the holder read. And outside of that fact, they might as well have been market knowledge agnostic. Um, these were coins that they could afford that they paid between $3,000 and $5,000 for. The second collector bought the same value of coins, but was really meticulous with each individual piece that they bought. These are coins that you could look at and tell that even at this price point, these were coins that somebody really looked at. I'm not talking about coins that were like MS67s and MS63 holders, you know, nothing unrealistic here. The grades in the holders are more than less correct in this the collection of uh, coins from the second collector. But, but like I said, the collector really put thought and work into this box of $3,000 to $5,000 coins. So when these two collectors are presenting you their coins uh, and are asking you to buy them, how wide a gap is there uh, between the two offers you're likely to make for the one set assembled as if by random and the other set thoughtfully? put together? It depends on how unlucky the random buyer was. If the random buyer was moderately lucky and accidentally bought some nice coins, he'll have some stuff I'll make pretty fair offers on, and other coins I'll either pass on or only buy because they're so cheap that I can't pass them up. Um, but the, the, the buyer, the thoughtful buyer who bought really nice PQ crusty original, maybe CAC quality coins, he's probably going to re realize, gosh, anywhere from 10 to 100 plus percent more than a sloppy, arbitrary bunch of coins. And, and in the right environment, um, if he's got a really unique sort of specialized collection, uh, it could be very radically greater for if if it's you know for me especially if I know that they're fresh coins they haven't been on the market in a long time I'm getting first shot at them um, I would say that he's going to realize a significantly greater amount based on his care and thought that went into his purchases you know I, I couldn't agree with you more Taking it from a small set of a box of coins to a large collection, uh, maybe something that you see named or sold uh, together in an auction, you tend to see when you read the prices realized the character of the collection. And so 
when you read the auction results, it, and believe me, I, I do this when I'm drinking my morning coffee, you find that the numbers can vary wildly. And that can quickly lead you to misunderstand the coin market. You can find a coin collection where practically every coin in it fails to meet its target price. Or the major coins, you know, the headliners fail to come close to what previous examples in the grade and issue brought. And I mean miss those numbers by like 20 or 30 percent. And if you're not careful, you might think, oh God, uh, you know, uh, this coin has gone down in value. And then you see the collection misses the target by as much as that or uh, across the board. And then you might think, well, you know, it looks like the market isn't doing so good right now. Maybe my coins aren't worth as much as I thought. And so you start looking for explanations as to why the coin market is stumbling a little. And, and the one thing you probably don't think of, uh, but it's the most obvious explanation is, well, maybe these coins just suck. I, I agree. When, when you have a collection with habitually low realizations of price it's more than more than often than not it's going to be because of quality issues and not market issues right right which gets back to the point if you're really going to get into coins and make a serious play into building a great collection serious representation is a must no collector even one that reads every book on the subject is ever going to have that uh firsthand knowledge of the market that a dealer who specializes in that area is going to have uh, you know they're not they're just not going to know where all the great coins are buried and which coins are graveyards or how to get coins you really want in your collection to come to market from those that currently own them without help putting together a collection you know you really run the risk of just ending up with dogs yeah i'm I'm continually amazed by talking to people that, with very little knowledge, decide that they're going to participate in auctions, and they don't realize that they're buying coins basically sight unseen, and they're competing against professionals. It's sort of like me saying, well, I've seen a lot of movies, so I'm going to go film something with my iPhone and submit it to Sundance and expect it to compete. Um, it doesn't quite work like that. And it's um, it's it's easy to garner information about the market right now. It's more difficult to interpret that information. And I think the hardest thing for new collectors is to understand gradations of quality. There are coins of similar date and similar grade that can have a huge range of of, of value based on their appearance. You can have a, a PCGS MS64 1920 double eagle that's worth X because it's very average quality. And then you can have one that's worth X plus 100% because it's really outstanding quality. And I think that's the hardest thing for the neophyte to know is what coins to stretch on and what coins are just average. And I think that's where you need a trained professional to at least guide you part of the way, if not all the way. Well, let, let, let's just play out a practical example of this exercise. Um, if an 1856-020 comes to the market in AU or Mint State, either A, you've seen it and know about it, or 
B, you can pretty much compare the coin to every other example of the issue that you've seen. That's a coin that there's about 30 known, um, maybe 35 known. I've probably seen three quarters of the ones that are known and have them fairly well committed to memory. So that, that's a coin that, that's sort of cheating. That's lobbing you a softball, but, um, that's a $300,000 coin that if you're going as a collector into the purchase of that without somebody helping you, um, you've got potentially a gigantic landmine to step on if you buy the wrong coin. So in other words, if that coin, as rare as it is, is bringing a soft price, it's not because nobody noticed it or at the present time can't afford it. It's because people like Doug, who have seen these coins, have decided to take a pass on it. And I think that is critical to understand when it comes to the rare coin marketplace. There is. I mean, even if I don't have a customer for a 56020 at a specific point in time, if one comes on the market that's a really, really nice, wholesome coin, I'm still going to bid on it, if anything, just to support the market, but just because it's a coin that at a, at a fair level, I'm happy to stock that coin, even if I don't have anywhere specific to go with it. But a 56020 that's been harshly cleaned or has really detracting marks on it, um, I might not, even if I have a customer for it, it may not be cheap enough at any price, well, not at any price, but at any any realistic price that I'm going to want to buy it. And that's why, that's why auction prices have to be interpreted really by experts and not by casual observers. Um, the market for type 120s right now is not hugely strong, not as strong as it was a few years ago, but if the right 56020 came on the market in virtually any degree of heat in that specific market, um, it's going to sell for a good price just because it's a nice coin and there's always going to be a buyer for a nice 56020, whether the market's strong or weak. And at the same time, let's say someone comes to you and says, I want to have the finest or second finest 1856020 there is. Um, there's a different calculation at play for you. It's not as simple as uh, going to the population reports at one of the grading services and saying, okay, uh, when this one comes to the market, I'll buy it for you. There's way more that goes into that than reading a table. It's, you know, it's muscle memory, it's experience, it's pattern recognition. It's uh, also knowing where all the high-end coins are located and, and which collections and having the personal relationship necessary to find out you know, if these coins might be available for the right price. I know where most of the, for, for, as an example, for the, for the really important Omen 20s, I know most of the collections of those coins, and I know who owns which specific coins. So if somebody came up to me and said, I want to buy one of the top four or five 1856 20s, I probably stand a better chance of finding one reasonably quickly than somebody that's new to the market. But I would also stress that in a situation like that, I would tell the person, you need to be patient. If it's something that you expect that I can find in 90 days, um, that's probably not going to happen. It might be something that the right coin could take years to find, but it's a good idea 
in the interim to target which of the 30 to 35 known 56020s are the ones that if and when they become available, we should move on quickly and, and effectively. So what are some things, uh, you know, going into the 2018 uh, calendar year that you expect uh, to affect the rare coin market? I have a feeling that I'm, I'm not a stock market expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I've got to think that at some point the market's going to pull back, and when it pulls back, um, that could impact the coin market. That, that could be an influx of money coming in to the coin market. Uh, same also with metals prices. Metals have been fairly flat the last few years. If there's any pullback on prices or or prices were to go up, I think that would help. Right now, the, the biggest problem that I see, at least with my business, is just finding good coins. So for me, I've got a lot of cash right now and not a lot of coins. I'd rather it be a lot of coins and not, not as much cash. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that could have an impact in 2018 and beyond is just the availability of nice coins becoming a little less congested than it is right now. I, I've noticed in talking to a, a wide variety of dealers that good coins are really hard to find right now. They're easy to sell, they're hard to find, and they're once you sell something that's really cool, it's very difficult to replace it in your inventory. So what does that uh, do to the business model then if it's uh, so hard to find nice coins? You know, because it seems that there's no shortage of uh, phone book auction catalogs, you know, where there's all sorts of things for sale. But, you know, if a dealer is having a hard time buying nice coins, then that has to have a dramatic impact on how the market functions. Well, yeah, it makes, in theory, really good coins worth a lot more and really average coins worth less. Um, for me, the, the, the biggest impact really in the last few years has been a reduction of my inventory size. And a lot of things that were typically just like meat and potatoes items in my inventory, like nice collector quality Delonica half eagles and very fine, extremely fine and about uncirculated grades. I mean, four or five years ago, you could go on my website and I'd have maybe eight coins that fit into those parameters. You know, now I'm lucky if I have three or two at any given time. So it's made me have to diversify a little bit. It's made me handle certain areas of the rare date gold market that I haven't really specialized in before. I'm focusing on a little more. Uh, I'm doing more with silver coins, specifically bust and seeded coins, uh, just so I have a larger pool of nice coins to buy from. Uh, it's probably not as big a problem if you're a soup-to-nuts dealer that kind of deals in everything. But if you're a specialist, whether you're a guy specializing in, in Indian cents or large cents or uh, bus dollars or, or rare date gold like myself, my gut feeling is that it's harder for you to find coins that are acceptable quality now than it was three to five years ago. Well, let's talk really briefly about a different type of coin buyer. I think it's safe to say 
that the U.S. and World Mints have been very successful in transforming the bullion market into a hypermodern market, where it used to be uh, somebody stacking gold coins may get numismatic coins like you know Type Twenties or uh, Saints and Common Dates, Liberty Fives and Tens. Now it's like the 2018 American Gold Eagle. And when the run-up of gold uh, took place uh, during Obama's first term, we saw a nearly complete and radical stripping of uh, the numismatic premium of choice on circulated-grade generic gold coins. And that premium has uh, never recovered. So I think collectors or stackers will be shocked uh, to realize that uh, in many cases, you can buy generic gold and choice to gem certified grades for, for not that much more than you could buy a brand new uh, certified 70 coin from the U.S. Mint. So for the buyer who is thinking, hey, you know, I'm not trying to be a builder of the next great coin collection, would it be a better idea for that guy to uh, find opportunities and buy this classic material for close to spot? Uh you as far as moderns go, I mean, you're talking to somebody. I'm, I'm a self-professed dinosaur. I know virtually nothing about the modern coin market, and that's pretty deliberate. Um, the the reason that the so-called generic market has skidded so badly over over the last decade is is obviously a the mint has become the U.S. mint has become by far the biggest and most successful. United States coin dealer in history, and B, a lot of the companies, a lot of the marketing companies that used to sell nice generic U.S. gold coins, coins like uh, Liberty Head Half Eagles and MS-63 or Indian Head Eagles and MS-64, stopped selling those because it's selling modern coins is easy. You could have almost anybody with no training do it, and it's just low-hanging fruit. And the coins are high grade, and they're they're pretty and shiny, and it seemed like an easier sell. Um, at this point, the premiums on relatively high grade generic U.S. gold coins are unbelievably low, and it's conceivable that they could get lower. Um, but they seem like a pretty good play to me right now. It doesn't seem like. From strictly an investment standpoint, and I feel the same way about coin investment as you do, Charles, I'm not an advocate of investing like an investor. I, I would be – for anybody that wants to invest in coins, I would tell them to, to do it with a collector's mentality. But coins like MS-63 5 libs or MS-64 10 libs, larger size, pretty – early 20th, late 19th century U.S. gold, if it's third-party graded and even better if it's CAC approved, at these numbers, boy, there just doesn't seem to be much downside. But I also said that 30% ago when, you know, when coins that are $500 now were 750 they seemed dirt cheap to me. I don't think they can get a lot cheaper, but in order – for them to really appreciate in value, there's going to have to be some sort of demand created for them. And whether it's a company that figures out a way to get people to buy them or somebody recommends them or, or they become popular 
a, another way that I can't figure out yet. Um, there, there's still a huge supply of those coins, and there's just not enough demand right now to make them go up yet in price. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, my opinion would be if you could buy the coin at the same price as the modern issue, you really got nothing to lose. For me, I would, to me, uh, a 1902S 5 lib is just a much more historically and aesthetically more interesting coin than a burnished platinum eagle. I'm, I mean, that just... Modern coins, for the most part, just leave me cold. They just don't do anything for 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 me from the standpoint of of what interests me from an aesthetic and historic standpoint. And I agree if 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 you can get something of equal value from an early twentieth century U.S. gold coin versus a modern product, it it just it just seems like so it seems like a no brainer to me that you would at least I would want the early twentieth century coin for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and just to be clear, so you know, people understand why there's a distinction and uh why Doug said about how marketing companies have transitioned from this material to modern material. So modern coins are struck and are almost perfect as struck. You know, they're beautiful. They have a current date, and then, you know people can relate to that. Uh, they're easy to sell to people who don't know coins because they're impressive. They have these classic designs. They have that date, uh, like I said, that current date. They're clearly marked as you know .9999 fine gold. Whereas a hundred-year-old gold coin, you know, if it's a perfect coin, it's not a type coin anymore, and you never get it in your spot. It would be, you know, one of these highly desirable super coins and something only a sophisticated collector, you know, using that code word again, uh, would would be would would pay for. And, you know, they'd have to pay a significant premium to get it. Uh, the other thing is that the mint will strike as many uh, modern bullion coins as the market demands. Um, there will, under most circumstances, never be a shortage of this material in any given year. So the, uh, the marketing company will never run out of inventory as this material is very easy to stock. Whereas if you try to go out there and buy like 20,000 type gold coins at a price point that you could mass market, well, you're going to find it very difficult to do that. And all it would take was for one or two companies to really get into that, that game. And all of a sudden, all the available stock at wholesale would dry up and you'd have to start paying increasingly more money to source the material because there aren't hundreds of thousands or millions of these coins available to constantly feed this type of uh, business. I think your numbers are, are high. I mean, I think for, for classic coins, you could move the market. If, if a company sold a few thousand five libs or ten libs or saints, I think that would move the market. I don't think you're, you, you can't move the market on modern coins unless you're talking about tens of thousands of coins with with vintage US coins i think the numbers are smaller than people realize of what it would take to to change the supply demand ratio of from what it is now to something that would be more favorable for prices increasing in the future you're probably absolutely right about the number actually the same holds true for you know the classic commemorative series you know, a lot of these coins have mintages of just a few thousand coins, and 
you know, and that series has been the doldrums for years because there really hasn't been a demand for it. But if you look at it, it only takes like four or 5,000 people to get into classic commemoratives before, you know, some of these coins just aren't available in the market anymore at these prices. But again, you have to understand the ins and outs of the market at any given time. So look at a minage number, look at the population numbers, the auction records, and take it all in with a grain of salt because, you know, the rare coin market is very sophisticated and there are idiosyncrasies built into it. And there's a certain type of expertise that dealers bring to bear in their participation in the market. And many of the best dealers focus, specialize in areas, uh, and they learn that segment inside and out. And they build a network of clients, and they have a strategy to support that market, and they know things about these coins that the cataloger won't say, you know, isn't allowed to say. They know things about the coins that you need to know in order to really protect yourself and make the right call and take shots at the right coins and it's this kind of knowledge that maybe isn't possible if you deal in everything and specialize in nothing because, you know, there's no way that you possibly could learn everything. I couldn't agree more. And I've, I've always laughingly said to people that the, the, the most difficult customer I have to sell to is myself. Um, I pass typically on about 95 to 98% of the coins that I see in auction or at a coin show. And for me to buy something, especially a five or six figure coin, um, it's got to really speak to me for me to write the check. So before I let you go, um, and maybe you don't want to touch this question, but for people like you who travel the country on a regular basis doing the show scene, something that people may not realize is that typically, you know, the better dealers won't bring their best coins to coin shows. Um, the real reason is that many dealers come to coin shows to buy coins from other dealers, you know, where they get most of their best material. And sometimes, you know, yeah, collectors are going to bring some really nice material that sometimes shakes loose. But, uh, you know, the real reason that many dealers come to shows is to buy coins from uh, other dealers uh, where they get their best material from. And sometimes, you know, yeah, a collector is going to bring some really nice material that sometimes shakes loose. So uh, do, you, do you also do this, or, or do you have a different type of strategy that informs uh, what you bring to a coin show? So I have approached shows differently than most dealers, for, or differently than most retail coin dealers for years. I have a really good website, and it's, I believe, a much better mechanism for selling than setting up at a coin show. So typically, when I'm... When I go to a show, many shows, I don't even put coins out. Or if I put coins out, they're just things to just kind of let people know that I'm still buying and selling coins. I go to coin shows to buy, and I would prefer to offer coins to people off of my website where they have a much less stressed environment than a coin show to make a decision whether or not they want to buy the coin and they can look at the coin and make the decision at home in their light, in their living room, at their pace, as opposed to a coin show where they're looking at coins in crummy light and they've got to basically give me a just about an immediate yes or no decision. Um, it's That's difficult for a dealer that's 
spends millions of dollars a year on coins like myself, I can only imagine that for a collector, especially a new collector, that that would be a pretty spooky environment. Um, I, I think shows have really changed where collectors used to be able to go to coin shows and buy neat coins. I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think if a collector doesn't have a good relationship with a few specialized dealers, um, he's going to have a very hard time finding the neat coins because they're just not in dealers' cases. They're certainly not in mine. Um, mine get hidden behind the table or turned over or put in boxes, and I don't show them to more than a very small handful of people at coin shows. Um, and a lot of times I don't show them at all until they're ready to sell back at home at the pace that I want them to be sold. You know, but at the same time, you know, if I contact you ahead of time and say, hey, Doug, I'm going to be at the Baltimore show and I like crusty old Dahlonega gold coins, you're going to put some of these aside and bring them to the show and we can sit down and, and have a chat about them and maybe I can pick some up, right? Absolutely. If, if somebody makes the effort to contact me and say, hey, I'm going to be at the Central State show on Thursday, uh, could you show me a couple of gold dollars? in the three to $5,000 price range, if I have anything that's appropriate, um, I will be happy to bring coins to a show to sell, to, to show to the person. Um, in terms of showing new purchases, in other words, coins that I've bought at the show, it's pretty unusual for me to show new purchases to anybody because um, they're, there are a lot of variables. I, I may not know how I want to price the coin. I may want to regrade the coin. I may want to send the coin to CAC. I may want to cross the coin from NGC to PCGS or PCGS to NGC. Um, I, I believe that most dealers, who most good retail dealers, don't show their really interesting new purchases at coin shows to really – anybody except maybe their absolute best customers. And to be honest with you, a lot of my very best customers don't like coin shows. They don't go to coin shows, and I don't necessarily encourage them to go to coin shows because I would much rather sell to them where there's, where there's not people around listening to our conversations, uh, where they where they can look at the coin in in the comfort of their own living room versus at a force table, which I think is a terrible environment to make a buying decision. So I guess the last thing I know uh, earlier that we talked about collections being built with help and and how outcomes can be dramatically improved. The last thing I'll leave people with, um, you know, if you're the type of person who wants to go in with both feet in a rare coin market and you want to build the next great collection, you've got to get representation. And there are three things I think that you need to look for. Um, the one is knowledge. Uh, integrity is the second. And uh, the third thing really is enthusiasm. Because uh, for a coin dealer to invest time the amount of time it would take, and, and a lot of this time is unpaid. And for a collector to build that great collection with a dealer, it takes a lot of enthusiasm because you're basically getting a partner to help you put it together and, and, and you're using their resources. And 
their market knowledge and their connections to build your collection. And, and this journey will take you to much more interesting places than if you simply relied on a keyboard and a mouse at your computer bidding on whatever comes up at the next auction. And you know, if you're buying at auction, you know, that dealer can go to the lot viewing for you and look at the coins, you know, and use their best judgment and let you know if, you know, that next lot that you think would really add to your collection is worth it or not. And I would say if you're in a classic gold, and I can say this enthusiastically, that uh, you'll have a richer and more informed experience reaching out to guys like Doug and uh, letting them in on your plan. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. Um, I, I think of those three points, the enthusiasm is something that's overlooked, but the, the, the handful of dealers in the market that I really admire, that I think are really great A-level coin dealers, all fit the same profile. Um, they started collecting coins as kids. They probably never had a real job other than coin dealer. Uh, they probably had their own coin business by the time they were 12 or 13. And they're coin weenies. They, they love coins. They eat, breathe, and sleep coins. And they're sophisticated enough that they're usually great mentors and partners to have. And whether it's, again, Indian cents or St. Gaudens double eagles or Civil War tokens, finding somebody that is a, a true aficionado, a person that loves coins, that collects things himself or herself, uh, those people are going to be better sources of coins for you than just cold, dispassionate businessmen that are just doing this as another way to put bread on the table. Um, those guys are generally not people that love coins and are generally not people that know the difference between good coins and not so good coins. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Well, Doug, uh, thanks for taking the time to stop in and talk. I always enjoy our conversations and uh, I guess we're going to see each other pretty soon because uh, uh, Long Beach just around the corner. Sounds good. Look forward to seeing you there. And thank you very much for letting me participate. I really appreciate it. And I thought your questions were great. Great. See you soon. Thanks, Charles. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends. Remember, you can download all 87 episodes of the Coin Week podcast for free from the iTunes store. Lots of great info for you. For Coin Week, I'm editor Charles Morgan. Until next time, happy collecting.